our father of the house, Brent Locker. Welcome him. So I heard the last I heard on the on the betting line is that it was three to one that I was gonna trip on the steps tonight. If you weren't here last week, you just missed out. <laughs> Where's Eric? Where'd he go? Oh, if you need a pastoral recommendation, let me know. All right. So, um, tonight, we're going to, I'm going to tell you where I just came from, actually, but tonight we're going to do part two of our core values. And, um, and if you want to know how to do cool things like that, come to our school, because I teach that. Okay. All right, we're just having fun. Um, I just came, I just, uh, I was not here for worship. Janet, I heard it was Awesome. I heard Jesus was in the house enjoying it. That's what I heard. So um, I'm sorry that I missed it, though. I was actually for a really good reason, though. I just came running back from over at uh, the East Bay House of Prayer tonight um, over in Dublin. They're celebrating um, their fifth year of existence. And um, I don't know how many of you know this. Some of you do, some of you don't. But that, that House of Prayer was um, birthed in our living room uh, with Susanna and myself. And, and uh, this is kind of an interesting um, side note, I guess, to this, is that a lot of times God will give you dreams. Remember, Blaine was just saying, do you have dreams? Do you have visions? What's interesting is, is that you won't always be the one to um, take it where you thought you were going to take it. Sometimes he puts that in your heart to at really strategic times be the one that pushes somebody else's, the wind in somebody else's sails, to have them go for it. And that's pretty much what this was, is that, is that five years ago when Jim Stilwell, who leads the House of Prayer, he, he thought he was leaving for Atlanta to go do a house of, or be in a House of Prayer there, and we just felt God's breathing on it right here. And um, he heard that call, and, and we, uh, it was a very holy moment in our living room. It was uh, Amy Knight and Jim and um, Todd. Lout and um, David Kim, um, and they got on their knees, and basically we were crossing the line, crossing that line in the sand, saying, yes, yes, Lord. You know what? Agreement is super important to God. Um, sometimes we think, well, God's God, and he'll do whatever he wants. Well, that's true, um, but I want to tell you, if you want to be involved with things that he wants you to be involved with, it's really important that you say yes to him, really important. And so that's what happened that night is, is there basically was a line in the sand and we crossed over and said, yes, Lord, to birthing this house of prayer. They got on their knees. Suzanne and I prayed for them. Holy, holy, holy moment. It, it felt like uh, the best way I can describe it is what I would, what I think of as the brooding of the Holy Spirit in Genesis one, where brooding over, God was brooding over and, and uh, out you know, what was birthed was something new, this house of prayer. So it's going five days a week, uh, 24-5 right now. Yeah. So, oh, so I skipped a step. My wife is reminding me. Um, no, no, you're right. Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so the step that was missed is that I told you earlier the dream that sometimes you're not the one. I, I actually had that dream years before. I went to Kansas City House of Prayer probably 10, 12 years ago, long before when it was just still in a little camper thing and uh, uh, anyway, portable unit. But um, so I thought for a lot of years that I would be leading some kind of house of prayer. And, and along comes Jim at just the right time. We become good friends. And the Lord said, that's the man. That's the one you're going to encourage. That's the one you're going to going to launch into his destiny. And um, so the, a big part of our, a big part of our destiny and our, our, um, you know, God's plans for us is, is to help others launch into theirs. That, that's, that's just the kingdom. Um, it is, you know, there's a part about ourselves, like, Lord, when, what, what do I get to do? When, when is it my turn? And he's a great papa. He wants all of his kids to be involved. But I will tell you, the more that you will um, uh, look at others and push, and push them and help them get to where they're going, you're actually going to get to where you're going a whole lot quicker. That's really the way it works in the kingdom. doesn't always feel that way at the moment, but it is the way it works. So, thanks, honey. Um, last week, before I move on to uh, the rest of the core values, I, I'm covering the Blazing Fire's 12 core values that um, actually are in a, a, a flyer that we have, a handout. Is that? Do we have any more tonight or are we just a few? Are they out on the table, though, for later? Oh, that's it. Okay, so when it, when this is done, go ahead and put them out on the table. There's just a couple left. Next week we'll have more. So if you um, are interested in our core values, it's also online, blazingfire.org, and you can go on our website, and there are core values. But I covered six of them last week. I'm going to cover six of them tonight, which is really quick. Uh, we spend I spend the first 12 weeks of school of our Kingdom Training School Supernatural Ministry going over these, you know, taking... 40 hours to go over what I'm trying to do for you in, in a total of two hours last week and this week. Before I go there, though, last week um, we had a really wild thing going on right here. For those of you who are, I think a lot of you are here, but I'm not saying there wasn't wild things going on other other places as well, but there was something really wild going on right here. And um, one, remember one of my points last week, one of our core values is we give the Holy Spirit freedom to do what he wants to do. And, uh, and I said to you, that doesn't mean anything goes. It does mean, I, I told you, there actually is some kind of order as far as, you know, who's in charge. And I mean, he's in charge, but as a pastor, I have to discern, okay, what's going on? Do I think this is God or not? And just so you all know, I thought that was God. And it was a really good thing. I didn't know all that was going on, but I knew it was God. Um, one of the people being deeply touched was Susan Folkler, and, and I know that was a supernatural thing. As most of you know, she just went through a really difficult time with Russ in these last several months, and something supernatural was going on with her getting replenished, and um, there was just a lot of laughter. Um, some of it was while I was talking, and, uh, some, and, and then when we got into ministry, if you stuck around, I mean, it got wild, wild for a long time. It was similar to... Um, the days back at Harvest Valley, um, especially the first time we were there, you're mark, a marker of all the different places we've been around the valley. Anyway, many years ago, we had something we called the kitchen revival. And it was like late, late at night. It usually started 11, 12, usually more like 1 in the morning. Um, and we'd be back at the kitchen because back in the day, we actually didn't have a curfew like we have here. And... Um, 
And so we'd keep going and we'd get hungry. You know, you get hungry when you've been at this for eight hours. <laughs> so we'd go back to the kitchen. Well, I just, I'm, there must have been angels there because, like, inevitably we'd be, many of us, on the floor, laid out, laughing, just deeply ministered to. And this, this was, had flavors of that. Um, but I thought it would be good because I told you last week, I, my job as a pastor, I'm not going to shut the Holy Spirit down. I will try to help you understand the best I can when I know what's going on because that's what a pastor does. A shepherd helps the sheep not be afraid, you know. But um, so this week we started passing emails around like, what was that? What was going on there? And um, I asked if Angela would start. And if Karina, if you want to add anything, then you come next. But Angela was part of this mosh pit right here. And um, this is what she discerned going on at the time. So uh, in the beginning, it started with Suzanne and Karina, and they were just laughing and laughing. Susan, I'm sorry. And Karina, they were just laughing and laughing. And so when I was, you know, you start to tune in, and you're going, what's going on, God? Well, then I felt like the procession, there's angels. They were moving down the way. And they got my husband, and then they got me. And, <laughs> and I went through a couple different things. Like, the first thing was um, the laughter. But then there was a moment of absolute holy, 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 holy. Like, I saw myself in the spirit face down on the carpet, but I couldn't make my body get off that chair. So all I could do was bow in the chair. And some of you may have seen that or not, but I was... I was just bowing to the Lord. His presence was just so beautiful. And it was, it was I can't explain it any other way than holy. And I wanted to shout it out. But I was trying not, I was trying to hold myself together for Brett's sake. <laughs> um, and then it went on. We were laughing. And then I started making this grunting noise. And I'm like, oh, no. And there was no holding this back. And I told Karina, it's my stomach, it's my stomach, I can't, and she starts praying for me, and somebody else comes and prays for me, and I'm going, Lord, what are you doing? Because it almost felt, I was, I was thinking, is he pulling something out of me? What's going on? And I realized, oh my gosh, last night, the night before, was 9-9, and it's very, nines are very significant for Lonnie and I, and he gave me a dream that I was birthing, so I was birthing multiple things that night and I thought it'd be over and we'd go through and laughter would hit again and then I'd start with the birthing and the birthing and oh my goodness it was unbelievable so then as the night progressed um, and I think it was around the time that the prayer started I noticed this was like um like a, a not a pond it wasn't that deep it was like um like a little pool of water here and everybody was splashing about we were all just kids just having a ball um, but what I did notice is that there was a huge angel of strength I felt like the spirit of strength was here strength and power and and it like had its way with me a couple times but then I told Lonnie Lonnie you gotta help me I gotta get out of here <laughs> and I couldn't walk and so he's helping me out and I went to say bye to Brent and I ran into the spirit and it dropped me like a sack of potatoes I mean it I just went down and I noticed at that moment the silhouette of it it was huge it was you know it was stout and I just I was in awe of everything that was going on one thing that I I 
noticed also while we were here is I felt like there was this really, really significant shift in the spirit, and it was just of strength. Like, leadership, all of us, we all just kind of went through this thing, this, mm, it was really powerful. It was really um, strong. I was doing some sword thing. I did, when I opened my eyes, I'm doing a sword thing, and, you know, that's all I can tell you guys. Um, I went we went to have a bite to eat after. I'm like, oh my gosh. I felt renewed, refreshed, um, and I felt a strength, an inner strength that I haven't felt in a while. And so I just wanted to share that with you. When we went through the emails, um, hey. Susan Folkler also felt like she was birthing. <laughs> <laughs> fun week actually <laughs> and uh, Susan did say as well she she felt the the spirit of strength and um, Karina you want to come and share yeah uh, that angel it started with that angel just so uh, relentless just like me and Susan were like this angel is not going to give up so it's just going to have its way and so uh, <laughs> We just said, oh, okay, Brent just preached about, you know, allowing Holy Spirit to move, and I and, uh, just so appreciate his heart as a pastor to just allow that, but also just such a great shepherd to just, you know, sometimes maybe it doesn't work, and so thank you, Brent, for that. We appreciate it, but yeah, I've been having, well, lots of dreams about, about birthing, about being pregnant the last few weeks, and uh, wasn't literal, but um, I wish... But I just, I so feel that too, that what I saw was someone had recently talked about moving from the pool of Bethesda to Ezekiel's river. And so I just feel like we're transitioning as a church into um, this river. You know, we already have been in the river, but um, also just for what's coming and who knows really what it is exactly, but I just sense family and um children and uh, just God really just expanding our tent pegs and and uh, there was something about Brent just being so unapologetic for this is who we are as a church and uh, standing on that and just being fearless and we so that was kind of the foundation of like yes God so we just got to jump in and enjoy that. Thank you. Hopefully that, that helps some. Um, if you still don't understand it, that's okay. Because the kingdom, you don't have to m mentally, you know, figure it all out. If, if that's what we're waiting for, we're going to be waiting. Because there's a lot of things that are going to happen that are outside of our ability to reason it, reason it out. But it doesn't mean we don't try to, try to discern what God's doing and talk about it some. Um, one of the things that I say a lot is... is um, encounters, I believe encounters with God are supposed to be experiential. I really do. Um, especially in America, we tend to over, um, you know, make everything cerebral, you know, over, overthink it all. And, and we, we try to, we think that, that that's how we're going to get close to God. The more I fill my head with facts about who he is, I'll get closer to him. And if you haven't figured it out, that really doesn't work. Uh, what does work is when sovereignly he touches you at different points and all of a sudden you were like this and now you're changed because he touched you. Um, and um, it, it, it's like, you know, a marriage with Susanna. It, would, it just wouldn't 
be that wouldn't that would be a weird marriage if there was no experiences whatsoever if it was just intellectual well honey you know on our wedding day i told you that i loved you so just remember that for the that's that's it just remember that remember that that would just be a little weird so we are supposed to have experiences but then the next question starts to come out how do you know if the experiences of god or not which is very valid. People that are afraid of experiences, they want to throw everything out. They just want to, you know, the baby with the bathwater, all of it goes. But the problem is, is you miss out on a bunch that God had intended for you. So how do you know? You should ask that question, is this God or not? And, and Jesus said, you'll know by the fruit. He said, a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. It's not possible. So when they get up here, it's awesome that they explain about the angels and about the birthing and all that. And whether you understand that or not, that's okay. But did you notice they said afterwards, I felt this strength. I felt, wow, I hadn't felt this in a long time. I'm feeling the Lord's presence. I, I'm, you know, I'm more alive. That's fruit. Um, the devil's not going to do that for you. That's not his plan to build you up. So there you go. You do have a litmus test to use to figure out whether things are God or not. So uh, tonight, I'm going to keep going with our core values and just more of who we are, starting with this slide again, because I forgot to say last time that this was, this was our very first uh, website. Was actually, this was our whole theme, was this Jesus coming back on the horse um, you know, again, with his eyes of blazing fire, his passion for his bride. So we're going to go on with um, the next uh, core value, which is, and let me explain again, core, in case you weren't here last week, core values means this is, these are our non-negotiables. This is, this is who we are as a family. This is what makes us us. And somebody who wants to come in here and change us, I, I'll have to say, well, sorry, this is who we are. Um, you're welcome to join us, but um, we're not going to change these things. So an environment of grace is, is, uh, permeates this place. It really does. Um, grace, one of the definitions I use is, is uh, specifically when we're thinking God's grace for us, is God doing for you what you couldn't do for yourself in a million years. It's, it's just him doing it. You, you, can't, you can't earn it. It's, God's, it's just God loving you. It's him doing things in your life. Well, we actually get to, because he provides grace to us, we get to provide grace to one another as well. But what does that look like? Um, first, let's look at a, a scripture from the mirror. I keep using this translation because I've been enjoying it a lot lately. If you just Google the mirror translation, it'll come right up and you can read it online. Uh, Ephesians 4.2, be mindful of the fact that meekness and tenderness are the fabric of your makeup which enables you to show compassion even in seemingly impossible situations. Anyone have any of those relationally with anyone? Eagerly bearing with one another in an environment where love rules. Um, you know, you've probably heard it said, life wouldn't be so difficult, ministry wouldn't be so difficult if we, weren't, if we didn't have to deal with people. And yet, it's, it's kind of a joke. We can all, it's okay to laugh. Um, and yet, the reality is, is that that's kind of the whole goal of what we're doing here. Is, and God absolutely uses my rough edges and somebody else's rough edges to smooth each other out. 
as long as we stay in the game, as long as we keep um, choosing to love and keep choosing to extend grace. Um, grace says, yep, I, I know you don't always have it all together. Um, you know what? I still choose to be in relationship with you. I choose um, to see the good things in you. And so um, here is just some of the bullet points under that. This is all, again, in, in writing, if you want to see this later. Um, we're a grace-filled people who extend the grace to others that we have received from God. We forgive others as we have been forgiven. We refuse to hold on to offense. Um, this will be tested. Um, not just occasionally, but often. Uh, Jesus said offense will come. So when your heart gets offended, uh, you know, suddenly something happens you did not like, but rather than letting it go, it just kind of eats at you and eats at you, and you're starting to not like that person, and that's what offense does, is it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And the Lord says to you, he says, you know what? I hold nothing against you. Nothing. Hebrews chapter 10, never more will I call your sins to mind. What, what part of never more do we not understand? And he says, because you're created in my image, you get, you get to do the same thing. I hold nothing against you, so you get to hold nothing against other people. Um, you get to forgive as you have been forgiven. Now, let me just say from the start, Last week was a lot more about our relationship with the Lord. This week is much more about our relationships with each other. And, and I am the first to say I'm far from perfect. You know, I, I'm perfect in Christ, for sure. It's the way the Father sees me. But as far as working this thing out and in all times and all ways, allowing Christ in me to rule over anything else, I'm, I'm getting there like you. Okay? So... This is where we still have to extend grace. Um, but so a lot of what I'm going to share with you today isn't saying, oh, yeah, I got this down and, you know, no more mistakes out there. It's saying ask for the Holy Spirit's help. So if, you, if I get to something like one of these that say, wow, I just don't know how I would do that. Great, because you've been given a counselor, uh, one who lives in you, who has the power to do what you can't do. So ask him. Ask him for help. Lord, help me. If you, if you can't forgive someone, ask him to help you. Lord, help me to forgive. Lord, help me to release this because I don't, I don't want this anymore. Different way, forgiveness, another word for forgiveness, uh, if you're forgiving somebody, instead of just saying I forgive, it could also be, other words you can use is I release you from your debt. I, I let you off the hook. I don't hold this against you. Um, now, all these, I told you I'd go into much more detail in class because you probably already have 100 questions in your mind. Like, well, but what about this situation? What about that one? I can't cover all those, you know, standing up here in a few minutes' time. But obviously, uh, I'm not encouraging you to go, to go back into, you know, horrible, abusive situations. That's not what I'm saying. However, it's still super important that you forgive and release offense, even if you don't go back into an abusive relationship. Otherwise, that offense that the, the whatever happened to you still has power over you it still eats you away and it's not fair it's not fair I didn't even do it that's right it's not it's not but I'm giving you the key I'm telling you of all the keys we have been given from heaven I'm telling you forgiveness is is probably at the top of the list 
as far as the power it has to unlock what God has in store for your life. It's, it's right up there at the top. Choose to forgive. And I know, I know it's impossible at times. That's the kingdom. Jesus will do for you what's impossible for you. Ask for his help. Ask Holy Spirit, help me. I don't want this anymore. I don't, I don't want to relive this every day. I do not want, uh, you know, and as you go along, as you release, um, the Lord actually will do something else for you. Who actually, over time, he will actually give you the ability to bless. Not just to release, but to bless. Doesn't mean you have to be involved in that person's life if, if it was a, a very dangerous situation, but you could still bless. Lord, Lord, you bless them. Lord, they need you. You bring them back to you. So, again, a lot more I could say, but I, that's all I have time for. Um, we assume the best about each other. This is, um, again, this is, this will be challenged all the time. Um, you know, so, something comes up, there's, there's some kind of incident, and you're, you're starting to question another person about their heart for you. This is so important to uh, assume the best. It will, so, it will solve so much. If we go back to saying, wait a minute, let me think about this relationship. Really, all they've really shown me is, you know, that they care. Um, okay, something isn't quite matching up with that. You know what? I'm going to assume the best right now. If I don't, you know, if I find out otherwise from them, that's another story. But the enemy's always trying to get you to fight fights that aren't even there. All the time. He wants, you to, he wants you to expend lots of energy worrying about things actually that you have no control over anyway. But things, a lot of those things, many, most of those things aren't even real. They're just, we're, we're playing it up in our minds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you in a minute how to figure out if it's real or not. Um, because right here, you can't have a culture of grace apart from a culture of confrontation and conflict resolution. Um, for a lot of years, I will tell you here, we talked, we've talked a lot about grace at, at Blazing Fire. And um, I think we talked so much about grace, people felt like, well, I can't, I can't ever tell someone if they've hurt me or anything like that because that's not grace. Well, no, it's totally okay if, to say something to somebody. If, um, if you have released the offense, release the offense first. If somebody's hurt you and you need to talk to them, Release the offense first. Father, I release the offense. I, I don't hold this against them. Because if you are holding it against them, they'll, that'll totally come into the conversation. So, but now you come into the conversation, and it's totally okay to say, when, when you said this, that was really hurtful. What, what did you mean? Don't accuse, because you're assuming the best, right? But what did you mean by that? Because it, 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 it felt like it hurt my heart. Can you explain what, what you meant? And it's okay to talk it through. Here's another kind of confrontation or, or a, um, yeah, confrontation we don't talk about a lot. But let's say you're in a conversation and um, uh, whether it's one-on-one or with a small group and someone starts saying s- some negative things about others or derogatory things and you're, uh, in your spirit it's not feeling right. Most people would say, well, it's not really my place. I'm not going to say anything. You actually can. And especially when there's relationship built, it's okay. It, it can be as simple as, whoa, be careful. Be careful that that's a child of God you're talking about. Little things like that. that is, that's actually confrontation. See, confrontation doesn't have to look big and ugly and scary. It just means that, hey, this is what confrontation really is. Blaine talked about our greatness, right? Confrontation is really, is, is not about saying you blew it, you're a bad person. The confrontation is saying you are, you are great. Come on, I'm going to help you live up to that greatness. 
Let's help each other live up to that greatness. That's, that's really what it's about. Um, so here, here's how, in, in a sentence, um, and we could certainly flip the, uh, flip the words around, but you're going to forget who you are at times, and I'm going to love you anyway, not giving up on you. I'm going to forget who I am at times, and you're, you're going to keep loving me and not give up on me. That's grace. All right? Which, again, doesn't mean anything goes. Um, in a culture like this where there's so much freedom and we talk so much about grace, some people are afraid. So what, just, do people just run around and do whatever they want and sin abounds? And No, it's just the opposite, actually. The more you fall in love with this God who's done everything for you, the more your life starts coming into alignment with who you really are. We talked a lot about this last week, so I'm not going to go into it again. But we need to remind each other of our greatness. So here's, here's another one is we value seeing the treasures in one another and causing each other to soar into our destinies. And I mentioned that example just a minute ago about, about Jim um, Stillwell uh, at the House of Prayer. So helping, helping him soar into his destiny. Let me, let me actually go to the, the scripture. We affirm the destiny of each person as a prince or princess in the kingdom. Okay? This is where you have to see um, the greatness in each other. And, and it starts by helping people remember who they are as a prince, as a princess in the kingdom. That they're amazing beyond measure. Here's another one. We hear God's loving affirmation towards others. We speak out his heart to them. Again, this is mostly what prophecy is. It's just hearing God's loving heart of affirmation, speaking it out in all kinds of ways. The more we do that, the more we're helping each other know who we are and walk in it. So we choose to bless, not curse, using our words to speak life, not death. You know that really silly um, rhyme in school, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, it should say names will always kill me. That would be much more accurate. Um, just the father's heart is please, please be careful. Please be so careful with each other. Um, we are, a lot of our ministry is to, is to help people to come into their identity of who they are so they can start walking in their greatness. But I want to tell you the reason why we have to spend so much um, time and love and energy helping people to know that is because of all the things that were said to them in the past that were just not true. Things, but they, they got internalized somewhere. So, if, so the more you've internalized things um, about I'm no good, I'll never measure up, I won't amount to anything, I'm a loser, uh, I mean, I hate even saying those words, but the more you, you hear those things, when you hear that, when that word, um, oh gosh, I just lost the word, stronghold, when you hear the word stronghold in the Bible about, about a sin that becomes a stronghold in your life, what that means is it's, it's a way that the enemy has attacked you over and over and over again until it becomes something that almost you almost think is who you are. It, it, you think it's your identity, but it's not. 
if you've you've probably done this in school where uh, at some time, but uh, where you know someone puts one strand of uh, of uh, string around your fingers, you can pull it apart no problem. They put it around 20, 30 times. You can't. It's the same strength of string, but now you can't move your fingers because it's gone around too many times. That's that's what the, that's what this is. A stronghold is something that's gone around you so many times that you don't even feel like you can break out of it. And this is where we sometimes need each other. In fact, we do need each other to break out of some of those things um, because you you have to know your greatness. And so when we come in and we begin to shine the light in it, it's like a, a lightsaber going right through that, you know, cutting that string off and saying, you know, this is, this is who you are. You're a prince. You're a princess. You are valuable in the kingdom. You are amazing beyond measure. And those are true words. And the more you actually believe those, you start rising up into who you actually are. That's what happens. This is why we spend so much time doing this. We tell people who they are until they see themselves the way God does. Um, the next thing is that we honor, uh, I'm sorry, we uh, value a culture of honoring one another. Here's uh, from Philippians 2, verses 3 to 5. Nothing should be done because of pride or thinking about yourself. Think of other people as more important than yourself. Do not always be thinking about your own plans only. Be happy to know that uh, what other people are doing. And this is an amazing book by uh, Danny Silk uh, called um, The Culture of Honor. And... Uh, he just does a phenomenal job. We're, we're going to have Danny back sometime. We, I promise we will. Um, actually, I just heard today that uh, Doug Addison is going to come on November 19th. So uh, Doug will be coming. Chris is coming in next March, Chris Valentin. And uh, Danny will be here sometime. Um, but he says, listen to this, honor is one of the most vital core values for creating a safe place where people can be free. I don't know if you ever thought about honor and freedom going together, but this is why. Honor protects the value that people have for those who are different than they are. So I'm not going to value you because you're the same as me. I value you because you have value. I value you because you're made in the image of God. Without a core value of honor, we find that our discomfort around those uh, who choose to live in ways that we would not leads us to shut down their freedom. He says, obviously, when I speak of different ways to live, I'm not saying that immorality or violating our relationship with God are viable ex options for any of us. But many Christians disagree on how to live. Wouldn't you agree? So as you can see, the culture of honor both facilitates a safe place and in turn creates a place of great conflict. As we're honoring people, as we, as we uh, have freedom because we're not shutting anybody down who's any, any different, you know, somewhat different than us, that, uh, that does actually create conflict. I, I'll just say this. Last week when, when, when this uh, laughing and awesome stuff was going on, you know, I'm just so you know as a pastor, I'm, I am watching you. <laughs> 
I do kind of know what's going on and what you think of what's going on, even if you're trying to hide it. <laughs> so I know for a few people that probably wasn't like they were not, they were kind of wondering what the heck that was and whether that was God and it was a little bit distur- disturbing. I think for the most part, most of you were enjoying it or not even concerned whatsoever. <laughs> One of the things that I say about this place is that um, coming to Blazing Fire, uh, when for people first come, especially if they're not used to this kind of culture, it's almost like sensory overload. Like, what the heck? <laughs> what are you all doing? But it's like, it's like buying a home right near the railroad tracks. And the first several nights when that train comes by at three in the morning, you know, you're, whoa, what was that? But a week or two into it, you're not even here in the train anymore. It's really true. The longer you hang out here, you realize, oh, a majority of the people here, and I would say a great majority of the people here, uh, are not doing any of this for attention. They, they, most of them would rather not have that kind of attention. Thank you very much. But they've decided they're going after God. And, and so after a while, what happens is, is they get lost in that place with the Lord. And then suddenly certain things happen that are kind of wild. Um, but I will tell you, some of you, like I've, I mentioned this last week, some of you could be sitting silently or laid out and we'd never even know it. And you're having this amazing encounter with God. So uh, we just want to give the Lord freedom uh, but the honor says, I'm going to honor you, even if I don't have it all figured out, even if I'm not sure what's going on, I'm going to honor you because you're a child of the king, and that gives us more freedom. I will encourage you, though, like even tonight, okay, um, Kelly, which I don't see her. Kelly, there you are. Hi, Kelly. You're usually over there. <laughs> You've disoriented me. Um, Kelly. Kelly heads up our intercession at at this church. She's amazing. And I have known her for a lot of years, so I know she's the real deal. I know she really loves Jesus. I know she's one of those that really doesn't want any attention at all. And then there are times where the Lord overrides that. And um, so even tonight, you know, when she was up here sharing and she was, you know, doing this thing a bunch, you know, here's, here's what I would say. I mean, I could have her up here, and she'd, she would, I've done this before, and she'd be glad to share what she was feeling. But I'm just using this as an example to say, if you're new to all this, and you want to know what people are feeling, go ask them. Hey, there's a novel concept. You know, instead of judging their hearts, like, oh, well, that was weird and fake and not God, why don't you just go ask them, what, what was that? That was odd. I've never seen anything like that. What were you feeling? They would be more than happy to talk to you. Because what happens is, is when we stay in relationship with each other, we, that's where we get the heart connection. And when we start to get that heart connection and we care about somebody, now all of a sudden our opinions change about them because we start loving them. Um, it really is all about heart connections. The more that we distance ourselves from people and say, I don't, I don't understand you, so I'm just not going to even go there, that's how it's really easy to cultivate a lot of judgments in our hearts for each other. And, and God is trying. I'm not going to say trying because God doesn't try to do anything. God is breaking down those barriers. He's breaking down those things that the enemy has tried to use to separate us. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. So back to honor. 
We have a deep appreciation and gratitude in our hearts for one another, always looking for ways to bless and encourage. In a covenant of love with one another, we consider the needs of others before our own. If you notice, a lot of these are overlapping. You know, the tre- seeing the treasures, the grace, the honor. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap, and um, that's kind of why I bundled them all together, cause so we could just talk about them at once. Um, we honor each person's contribution to the body of Christ, all people and all gifts being equally valuable. There, there is, I mentioned last week, there's order in the kingdom. So not, not everybody is given the same role. That, that's purposeful. And, and God, God can put people in places as he chooses. However, everybody is equally valuable. Every part is just as important. In fact, of course, in, in uh, Corinthians, it says to honor those parts even more that seem less honorable. Like, like, in other words, Paul's not saying that those are now more honorable. What he's saying is go out of your way to build up those people who think they don't have much of a place. That, oh, it's, I'm just doing this and it's not really all that important. No, it's hugely important. You know, it's why when, when Tim left a few weeks ago and we, we just you know, honored him greatly. Um, and that isn't the only time we've ever honored him, but we sure did that night. He was, he was the, um, administrator for the, the facilities and just did things like you can't believe. And most of us didn't know about it because we were in here enjoying the service because of what he was doing. So, um, so we need to find ways to honor each other. Just, just appreciate each other. Um, look for the little things even, you know, it, it doesn't, Again, this doesn't have to be a prophetic exercise of you, all of a sudden you have to know somebody deeply. Just You just see them be kind to somebody and tell them so. Wow, that was, I really liked that you, what you just did there. That was amazing. Um, Suzanne uh, just recently went up to a couple of our little children who were in worship and just so in tune with what was going on. There was, you know, we were joyful worship and they're going at it with flags and all of a sudden we get to a holy moment and they're there and you know just holy holy with their flag and so Suzanne went up and talked to them and said I, thank you so much I, I, that just impressed me so much that you were so in tune with what God was doing do you know how much that means to them you know for the mother of the house or any of us for that matter just to come up and say wow that was that was amazing good job so the more we can do that the better we all need it all of us need that kind of encouragement um, each person has infinite worth as a child created in the image of God. There you go. That's, that's it in a nutshell. So what do we do with it? What do we do with this greatness? Um, we value bringing the reality of the kingdom everywhere we go by undoing the works of the devil. In other words, what do you do with all this love and this grace and everything? Well, there is, comes a time where you kick some butt. I'm just saying because I have the microphone. Anyway, um, <laughs> we get to because Jesus did, because that's what he came for. And this is where we got to, sometimes we have really bad theology because we forget something really, sim- really simple. God is good. The devil is bad. Okay, she didn't get that. God is good, the devil is bad. You all pass. You all pass. Good, good job. 
Um, honestly, we get, we get really th- weird theology when we, when we cross those two. And, um, um, you know, if we didn't have an enemy, great, we would actually be in heaven now. But while we're here, even though Jesus already finished him, meaning, meaning his, his time is actually already up in the sense of uh, there, there's no question of, of what his future is. He's done. And those who follow Christ and have Christ in them, we have all authority over the enemy. However, we live in a world where not everybody is there yet. And, uh, and the enemy still likes to throw in these darts and all the rest. Well, guess what? We get to come in with the authority. We have the ring of Jesus himself, his authority. He says, I give you all of my permission, not some of it. I give you all of my authority to do what I was doing and then some. That's the kingdom. So here's, uh, oh, here's another picture, just another picture of it, of uh, what we get to do. So there we are in the lion heading in. That's a justice shield. We get to see there's a reason why we all love superheroes. There's a reason why Hollywood's tapped into that. There's a reason why that uh, uh, however many years ago with Christopher Reeves, when Superman hit the big screen, they went, oh, there's something. People like this. And now we've seen nothing but, you know, Batman and X-Men and, you know, Etc. Etc. For the last several decades, why? Why do people never get tired of it? Because there's something inside of you destined to be that world changer. You are supposed to be that superhero in this earth, and something inside of you knows it. So, so there we are, and I love the blindfold too because we're going in by faith. Jesus says, "I'm taking you there. Trust me. Just hold out your sword. It's all good. I got it. I'm going to roar ahead of you." We really are, we truly are great beyond measure. We really are. So this is what Jesus told his followers, which goes for us as well. He says, he calls his 12 together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. He said, I want you to go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven has come, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosies, cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. This is what you get to do. This is what you get to do. This is not just for a few select privileged people. Everyone who has Christ is privileged beyond measure. Every one of you. I remember just starting to get this. And uh, some of you have heard this story. Um, Suzanne's father um, died of a massive heart attack at age 49. This was 20 years ago when we first came to this valley. And I was there for, for to, to watch the whole horrific scene with the paramedics, you know, working on him, trying to bring him back to life, which he did not. And this was before the days when, when I really knew that I had authority or power to do what Jesus told me I could do. But that event triggered something in me. It started something in me, um, especially being there watching it. I started asking the question, what, what really do I have the authority to do? And I started looking at the scriptures where in John 15, uh, Jesus says, you're going to do even greater things than I am because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to do whatever you ask in my name. Even greater things? I started asking the question, Jesus, did you really mean that? 
And I want to tell you, if you haven't come to this place yet in your Christian walk, you, you will if you keep progressing with the Lord, where you're going to have to come down to the place of saying, did he really mean what he said, or is it all just a bunch of, I don't know, lies or just fairy tales that sound good to make us feel good? And I came to that place. I, I, I took months. I spent months um, in the scriptures. I started, that's when I started going to the conferences, going to John Wimber, to whoever at the day, in the day where I could go to, to say, what, what is this about? And I came to the conclusion that Jesus meant what he said. The, the interesting thing is, is once, once, once I came to that conclusion, once I was set in, well, this is the way it is, I started seeing things differently, and I started seeing the power of God manifest in front of me as I prayed for people in ways I had never seen before. Like, whoa, this thing's loaded. (laughs) The... The very first was was healing my own self. I, I had a, a a backpacking accident where I ripped some tendon. I mean, ripped all the way down into the knee when I was way up in the mountains. I had no we all we could do was bandage it up, and I still had to walk, hike out the next couple of days because we had you know and and my knee had never healed properly. It still hurt a year later when. I was in this place and came to the conclusion that Jesus really does heal and he's given me authority to heal. And so one day I was out taking, taking the garbage out in the middle of, of our condo uh, complex. And, uh, and halfway back, I mean, it's funny when God meets you, you know, it wasn't like I was thinking about it. Halfway back, right in the middle of the parking lot, I'm saying, darn it, if I believe it, then I better do something about it. So I put the garbage can down and I say, well, in the name of Jesus, I command healing to my ligaments and tendons and muscles, and I command them to, to come back together in Jesus' name, all pain to go, whatever I said. And I went, okay. Huh. All right, I did it. So I picked up the trash can. No, I didn't, no discernible difference. And, you know, took it back home. And I'm saying maybe 10 minutes later, if I remember correctly, I, um, I, I got down to do a set of push-ups. I was in my house alone, and I got down to do a set of push-ups. And then I got on my knees to get up and realized I was on my knees getting up with all my weight on it with zero pain. And so then I rolled all my weight on the one knee and went, oh, my (laughs) Lord, there's no more pain. And that that very, I I believe the very next day, I don't think it was that day because of, schedule the very next day I went out and ran three miles no pain whatsoever and there hasn't been any ever since that was that was 20 years ago one story seriously of hundreds I could tell you and I'm just one of of all you all of the body of Christ we all get to do this now what it looks like might be slightly different because we all have different personalities we're in different places we have different experiences, how he's going to use us. But all I'm saying is at some point you have, to, you have to decide, is this for me or isn't it? Do I really get to do this or don't I? And that's one of the reasons when we first started this, the, the school of ministry seven years ago with 40 teenagers packed into our living room, 
the main reason was because of this. We said, you know what? There's teenagers out there who are bored. They're bored because they've had religion. They've had church their whole lives, but they don't know they get to have fun in the kingdom. They don't know they get to do this stuff. So we packed them in our living room, and we had some wild times. You want to talk about wild? We had some wild times in there. And, and uh, just as one example, one of the, one of the uh, teenagers that was there that, that year, um, uh, JP, a year or two later, he's, he's, because this all got his juices flowing, like, oh, this is part of my inheritance is what I get to do. Next thing, he's over in Brazil uh, ministering with Randy Clark um, and prays for, prays for a man who has a glass eye. And as he's praying, the eye becomes real right in front of him. I know some of you are thinking, nuh-uh. I can't help you there. You, you'd have to hear JP tell it because I'm telling you, he was freaked out that it was happening. God, you're really doing this. All kinds of stories I could tell you right now. All, I'm serious. I, we could take, and, 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 and I could call you up, and many of you have similar stories to tell. Can you imagine? Part of heaven's going to be telling lots of stories. <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> so I'm just, all I'm here to do is kind of, I'm here to kind of stir it up in you and say, this is part of your inheritance. Do you want it? Then, part of my story was, then you got to step out. You really do have to start stepping out and going for it. That's, that's, uh, we are Jesus to people, bringing his truth, love, and power to set the captives free. We have God's heart for his brokenhearted and desperate children. God wants the supernatural to be natural for the believer. Hey, that would be a great conference. <laughs> we ought to do that. We ought to do that next Friday and Saturday right here. So if some of you are saying, I don't know how to do this, who little old me, come next weekend and I guarantee you, I seriously guarantee you by the end of it, you will be praying for people and you will see God move. What Jesus did, we get to do. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, and even greater things. We are taking the kingdom of God out to the streets and everywhere we go. It was never meant to be boxed up in a once-a-week church service, guaranteed. We are preparing. This is another value. We've got two values left. We're preparing warriors of all ages to live victoriously in the kingdom. The main point here is that um, nobody's too young, nobody's too old. When, when, you hear, when you hear prophecies about what God's going to do in this generation, think everybody who's alive today. That's this generation. And um, I understand there are specific generations. He has certain callings on awesome. But nobody's too young. Our kids downstairs do not have a junior Holy Spirit. They are doing amazing things. In fact, um, you know what? We got to show you this. I don't have a picture of it tonight, but was it last week or two weeks ago? I I think it was two weeks ago. Anyway, it was last week. And and, uh, what's that? Yeah, I don't don't see them. There's a mom and a daughter. Mom is... is, uh, Drawing while I'm preaching. Can you imagine that? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> she's drawing. I'm preaching. What's, what? Anyway. She's drawing some prophetic art. It was, it was amazing. It was this 
it was this heart that was a flame and it was this this bird and this uh you know wind and all this it was very cool her daughter comes up who's downstairs uh during the same time as i'm preaching comes up mommy look and it was i mean the similarities are are jaw dropping you're like oh there's the heart there's the flame there's the bird there's the wind it's so oh my oh my We'll show, I'll show that one to you. Maybe next week we'll have it, um, we'll have it on where we can show it up here. But warriors of all ages, and those of you who are older, man, is God not done with you yet. I'm telling you, the moment you believe that, then you really ought to go home uh, to Jesus. But it's actually not even true. You know why I say that? I'm not trying to be mean at all. It's that without a vision, the people perish. The minute you don't believe you have a purpose here anymore, that's, that's the moment you actually start dying. Whether it takes years, months, whatever, that's, I don't know. But you have to know that God's going to use you every single day you're alive on this earth. And here's another thing you have to know. It, and this is true of every single person in this room. Your best years are ahead of you. By a long shot. Whatever you've done for the Lord, whether you've done a lot or you feel like you've not done a lot, I'm telling you, your best years are ahead of you. He's got outrageous things in store for you. And he's going to use you continuously to touch people, to heal them, to love them, to set them free. He's got great plans for you. So never give up on yourself. He will not give up on you. Ephesians 4.1, because this is all about identity. I urgently appeal to you, therefore, with reference to your original identity, in other words, who the Lord says you are, to conduct your life in such a way that your every move bears witness to the weight and the value of who you really are. All ages. All ages. We desire the fullness of the fivefold ministry of Jesus to equip and build up the body of Christ. So he gave out gifts so that we could be encouraging, building each other up to do the things we were meant to do. And um, all generations are full participants in God's plan. This is the very last one. Um, and then we're going to actually uh, do something special and uh, take communion together. Sure. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Thanks, son. Suzanne's going to go get the kids because we want all ages here together. So we value one church under the headship of Jesus Christ working together in the same spirit, bringing glory to the Father. Now, that's a mouthful. That was the way I originally put it, which because there's all kinds of things I wanted in there. First of all, I wanted you to see this picture. That's Jesus. Uh, made up of a whole lot of faces. I just thought that was kind of cool. Um, that together we're the body of Christ. But all, that, all that's to say that we value unity in the body of Christ. Um, this is a huge call in my life. A huge call in my life. In fact, early on, when I was just understanding that prophecy was real, that God really did speak to, through, through people um, to talk to me about my destiny. Um, there was someone that I value a lot that said, unity is your calling. And I, I believe that. Um, 
I don't think any of us necessarily have one calling any uh, alone, but unity is is huge on my heart. And um, um, I, I've I've shared stories, a lot more stories at a different time. But early on, when I was a pastor twenty years ago in this same valley, um, you know, when you're young, you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to find significance, and a lot of times the way you do that is you put other people down, or you you think that your way is better. And so I did a lot of that in the body of Christ. I was, I would, I was, you know, I remember even in our staff meetings, we would be talking about other churches, other pastors, you know, well, they don't got it. They, they, they don't really know they're, they're missing this part or this. So rather than celebrating them for what they were doing, we were um, trying to make our, I was trying to make myself feel better by what they weren't doing or what I didn't agree with. And so I actually went to several of those pastors. Once God got a hold of my heart and said, son, what are you doing? Once he took my head out of my own trough that I was eating in to realize that there was a whole world out there that was all him too, I actually went to the, uh, several of those pastors and I asked for their forgiveness. I know it totally took them off guard. Um, like, whoa, what is this? W- one of the pastors, uh, I'm, I'm, I w- became very good friends with everyone that I did that with. One of them even to this day is still pastor of a really large church in the area who, who was very grateful because he knew that a lot of pastors had had um, similar feelings, but I was the only one that spoke to him. And so God used that to heal his heart of a lot of wounds. Um, but that was kind of the beginning of it. And since then, you know, I, I, I oversee pastors in this region. We come together once, once a month for lunches. And then I oversee uh, pastors and leaders in the whole Bay Area, I draw them together a couple times a year. Um, but I want to say that this right here is not just about churches. It's about the body of Christ. It's about all of us. And we all find reasons to put each other down, sometimes to try to make ourselves feel better. There's a lot of different reasons we do that. But, but God's saying, no more, church, no more. Because I'll tell you what, the more we tear each other down, the longer it's going to take to get to where we're supposed to be going. And God wants us truly to celebrate each other and to celebrate Uh, the different ways that we do things. Here it is in Ephesians 4. uh, Be vigilant to guard your oneness of spirit. We are prisoners of peace. We confirm the fact that there is only one body, also that there is only one spirit, and we are identified in one hope. In fact, you know what? Start with that. I want you to read this with me. We're going to start with that line, we um, were identified in one hope. Would you read that with me to the end? We are identified in one hope. There is no plan B. We bear the same surname. We are employed by the same boss. We share the same faith. And our baptism says the same thing. We are equally included in his death and resurrection. There's only one God. He remains the ultimate father of the universe. We are because he is. He is present in all. He is above all. He is through all and in all. Yeah. Um, So as much as it depends upon us, we walk in humble love with other Christians. We walk in humble love with everybody, but specifically right now we're saying within the body of Christ, we don't put down any part of the body of Christ. When we tear others down, we are hurting ourselves. So this is what we're going to do tonight. 
Um, I just thought it was important that we actually, um, whenever we can, we talk about make, making this experiential. And tonight I wanted to make this experiential. So more than just talking about it, let's actually um, do something that, that symbolizes it, that shows us the oneness of what we are. We've done this before, but in, in just a moment, I'm going to ask that everybody get up. And just a minute, not yet. Um, one second, because let me explain it. Otherwise, there'll be mayhem. But get up, and we're going to make one big circle right here around the outside of all the chairs or in that aisle back there. And we're going to actually take communion together in two ways. Let me just explain it all right now. I think it'll be easier. Um, we're going to get a couple leaders to help. And as you're standing in the big circle, somebody's going to come by with, with bread, um, you know, a piece of bread. Um, don't eat it yet. Okay, did you all hear that? You're going to get a piece of bread, even little kids, you all hearing me? You're going to get a piece of bread um, for communion because communion means common union. Did you know that? We have a common union in Christ. So what we're going to, so we're going to symbolize that by all of us eating the bread together, okay, which we usually don't do here. Usually it's kind of more of an individual thing, but tonight we're going to do that. So, so give us like just, it'll only take a couple minutes because we're not, we're not yet going to dip it in wine or juice like we often do. This is just the bread. So it's going to be pretty simple to give you all a piece of bread pretty quickly. We're going to make some declarations together, which I, we're going to have up on the screen. And we're going to, we're going to take the bread together as a, as a symbol of our oneness in Christ. After that, um, at that point is when uh, I'm going to encourage you either to say some things to other people if you want to, but also if you want to come up for communion at that point to, you can have more bread. You get more bread. Say more bread. Woohoo! Because there's always more of Christ for you. Always, always, always. And that one, we will give you the option of, of, of uh, dipping it. The way we do it here is you dip it in and, and take the communion. There's the wine is in the middle. We'll explain that again later. The grape juice on the outsides. Um, so that's what we're going to do. This whole thing will not last very long, I promise you, but it will be powerful. I promise you that too. So go ahead and get up. Get in a big circle right now facing inward, facing each other. <laughs> 